having a good, trusted friend or multiple friends, someone who understands you and listens to you, someone that you can celebrate with and grieve with. Friendship is a very good thing. And when friendship isn't there, it can be just so, so difficult. It can be such a burden in our hearts. I remember um, when I was 13 years old, I had just finished sixth grade. I was going into junior high school. And at my elementary school, I had a number of friends, great amount of friends in my elementary school. And uh, over the summer months, I would hang out with them, and it was a great time. But the only problem was, is I was entering into junior high school. And the local junior high school is just a mile away from, from my house. There was probably about five or six feeder schools, different elementary schools that fed into this junior high, grades 7, 8, and 9. The unfortunate thing was my elementary school didn't feed into that school because I went to an elementary school that was way out on the other side of the district. I was bused there. So over the, the five, six years that I was at this elementary school, I developed great friends, loved these guys, and they all went to different junior high schools. So I just turned 13. I'm ready for my first day of school, and there was two people from my, my sixth grade class and my other elementary school, they were going to this junior high school, and both of them were girls. And I'm sure they were great people, but neither one was my pick for, for a best friend. And so I, I went to school literally not knowing anyone, and that's tough when you're 13, and I had no friends. And I mean, no one knew my name. No one knew my family. No one knew if I was a great speller or terrible at math. They didn't know if I was musical or athletic or uncoordinated or funny. No one knew anything about me, and it felt like no one cared. Now, the first day wasn't that terrible, but the next days were brutal. Brutal. About two, three weeks before finally I was able to interact with someone and develop a friendship. And it wasn't that that I didn't want friends. Like, I wanted friends. I just didn't know how to make friends. It wasn't that I didn't know the value of friendship. I just didn't get to experience friendship because friendship takes a bit of time. And I used to think that this was just a student problem. I used to think that that was something I dealt with when I was 13. And, you know, a lot of us, when you, you go through different schools, whether it's trade school, post-secondary school, you don't go to college or university in your hometown. You travel somewhere else and you think, oh, it's just a student problem. After a couple of weeks, you meet someone in your major and you're good to go. But I, you know what? It's, it's life, actually. Friendships, there's just so much transition in life. You take a new job. You move to a new city. An in-law marries into your family. Your best buddy at work, he gets transferred someone else. It just, it's a reality of life that life is full of transitions. And so this skill of being able to make friends, it really, it, it's going to plague you forever. I mean, when, when all of us are in our retirement homes, uh, when all of us are at our deathbed, there's going to be someone maybe in the bed next to us. You're going to have to become a friend with them, right? You can't just rely on the friends that you've necessarily had in the past. And life is so full of transitions that we're always in flux, meeting new people, trying to figure out, you know, who are these friends that I can develop with and I can share life with? And at the heart of it all is this question of how do you make friends? How do you develop friendships? And we think about our spiritual lives and what we're called to, the vision that we have to follow after God and, and to, to be Christ-like. I think of one of my favorite verses. It's in the, the book of Proverbs 27, verse 17. It says, like iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. And this is a type of friendship that, that I hope I can have. I mean, can you imagine what that looks like? A friend who you trust, who listens to you and actually 
sharpens you stronger in your faith. Someone who walks with you and guides you and shares the same sort of commonalities and goals that you have, sharpening you into a better representation of what Jesus, how he lived and how he continues to demonstrate his faithfulness to his people. There's a, a text in the New Testament that gives this same sort of vision as well. And that's our text for this morning. I want you to turn to it at this point. It's in the book of Colossians. And a, the group of people called the Colossians, they were from a city called Colossae. And the Apostle Paul, he wrote them a letter a few thousand years ago. And if you're looking in your Bibles, it's in the New Testament. Once you get past the Corinthians, just start flipping page by page because there's a whole bunch of little books and it gets confusing. It's called the book of Colossians. And we've got Paul, who's written a letter uh, to that church, and it's four chapters long. We're going to look at the last bit of chapter four, and as he concludes his writing, it's, it's kind of like what Brad, Pastor Brad was saying last week. He gives a bunch of shout-outs. He kind of says hello to a few friends, and he gives them direction on, on what they need to do and who's coming to visit. And I don't know how this has become a trend, but it seems like whenever I'm scheduled to preach, I get the really difficult names to pronounce. I had it this summer with Mephibosheth. And uh, now I found this great website. It helps you pronounce tough biblical names. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, we're going to look at the character of uh, Tychicus and of Onesimus. So if you pronounce it differently, you're going to have to suck it up and just let me murder that name because this is how I'm going to choose to use them this morning. But we're looking at Colossians chapter 4, and it, it, this is going to be real short, verses 7 to 9. And this is what Paul says. He says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother. He's a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. And I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Now he goes on, and, and you can continue to read this if you want. There's a few more interesting names and there's a few more instructions. But most everyone who he names here, he gives incredible characteristics to. He says, this person is a dear brother. This is a co-worker in Christ. This is someone who I trust. In one instance, he says, I vouch for this brother. He's been working hard, okay? So, so treat him well. He's, he's a co-worker with me in the ministry that God has called us to. And when I read this text and I think about uh, Tychicus and Onesimus and, and Paul and Timothy and some of these other people who are named throughout the New Testament scriptures, I think to myself, what incredible men and women were serving the church here in the first century? I mean, they're being described as faithful ministers, as beloved brothers and sisters in the faith. And I think to myself, do I have friends like that? I have some pretty incredible friends, but as I look at some of the people that I've been blessed to, to spend life with, can I look at them and say, this is a faithful minister. This is a co-worker with me in God's purposes for my life. This is a beloved sister that I have. And my hope is that as you do the same thing, as you think about the friends, family members in your life, you can say, absolutely, I have a, I have a faithful sister. I have someone who spurs me towards greater things. Someone who sharpens me like iron sharpens iron. But I wonder if some of you maybe are thinking, no, not right now. I used to. I used to have a youth pastor who was incredible. He guided me. He taught me. He was there for me. He listened to me. But that was eight, nine years ago. 
You know, I, I used to have a college roommate who, who was just incredible and, and would help me memorize scripture and, and really take the spiritual discipline seriously, but, you know, not, not so much anymore. I used to have a coworker. I used to have a neighbor. Uh, my mom used to guide me in this direction, but, but maybe not so much anymore. And maybe as you think about it, you're thinking to yourself, that's a bit of a void in my life. I don't know who's sharpening me in this area. And the challenge may not be so much your desire for friendship, it's more the question of, well, how do you make a friend like that? How does that happen? You know, the Bible is filled with, with stories and wisdom about friendship. Two are better than one. Proverbs are full of, of wisdom on, on the type of people you can associate with and, and how it's wise for you to interact with people. But you know what? The, there really isn't a whole lot of teaching specifically on how you make friends. How two people just have this ability to become friends. Uh, some of the wisdom that we read, a couple from Proverbs, great, great verses. Those who walk with the wise will grow wise. Those who listen to fools will get themselves into trouble. Great wisdom doesn't tell us how to make a friend. Uh, here's, here's another one, another great piece of wisdom. We're told that those who gossip can't keep secrets. Big surprise. So don't hang out with gossipers. Great application, great wisdom doesn't help me make a great friend. I'm going to pause here for a minute because if this is your first time at Jericho, you may be thinking, wow, you know, well, where, where is the biblical text here? How are we going to find the solution to our answers? And typically when I preach, this is my big setup. You know, I, I try to find some sort of question that we can all agree on and say, yeah, that's important for life. Absolutely, we need to figure that out. And then, and then I find a biblical text and we say, here's the word of God who is going to help uh, equip us and answer this question and motivate us and, and bring us to better Christ-likeness. But when I've studied through this this. Uh, topic of friendship and how to develop friendships, I was a bit of, at a bit of a loss because really the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of direction for the step-by-step -step strategy of how you make friends. And so this morning I'm going to do something that I've pretty much never done at all and I'm not going to suggest a biblical truth to you. I'm going to suggest a biblical principle. A principle that I've seen work through my own life, that I've observed in other people's life, that I think is a bit of how God has created us relationally. And it answers the question of how do you make friends? And the principle goes like this. Friendship develops when common interests are found and time is invested. Friendship develops when common interests are found, common goals are established, and time is then invested. When you find a similar goal, when you find a similar interest, when you find a similar passion with someone else, and then you take that commonality and you pour your time into that, there's a much higher potential for friendship. Now, it's, it's not a, a perfect situation. It's not a perfect principle that applies every time. Some of you might be thinking, you know what, I grew up with my sister and uh, I'd rather walk the dog than talk with her on the phone. I spent a lot of time with her, and we just don't click. It doesn't work. Fair enough. Uh, some of you might be thinking, you know what? I like running, but there's a few people on my running club. I, I don't like anything else about them. We don't click at all, even though we have a common interest. That happens sometimes, too. But as a general rule, as a general principle, when you combine a, a common interest and you invest time in that relationship, it greatly enhances your potential for becoming friends with them. 
And when I say a common interest or, or a passion area or some side, a, a vision, what I'm really talking about is any sort of, of thing that you have that is something actually that comes from God, something that you're really excited about. It could be an ability. It could be a hobby. It could be an idea. It could actually be something that quite angers you, like a, a social injustice or something that, that stirs you up and you think, this is part of what I'm interested and excited about right, right now. This is something that drives me. And when I talk about time, I'm actually talking about the biggest ingredient of friendship. You have to have that shared ingredient of time and friendship. Otherwise, you're left with an imaginary friend. I mean, if, if you don't have shared time with someone, what do you have? You have an illusion. It takes invested time and it takes common interest to nurture and initiate friendships. And to illustrate this point, I thought it would be helpful if I didn't give an example from my own life, but if I called someone from uh, Jericho's membership here to give a, a short testimony on what, how she's seen this principle apply. And so I'm going to call up A.D. Sherman at this point. A.D. is uh, one of our covenant members here at Jericho Ridge. And A.D., this, this past summer, she went to Russia for about one month with a team of, of students from Trinity Western University. She's in her third year, just started her third year, a psychology student. And she actually hails from Texas. She's a Texan. And my sister-in-law is a Texan. So now we have a common interest. <laughs> so we're just working on that investment time. And pretty soon we're going to be sharpening each other, like iron sharpens iron. But anyhow, I've, I, wanted, I wanted AD to uh, share a little bit because I don't know about you, but I've been on, on different trips missions trips, road trips, vacations, and when you spend an intense amount of time with people, it's amazing how there is that great potential for a bonded friendship. Uh, so, Adi, can you first off just tell us a little bit about where you went, what your team looked like, and what, what you kind of did there? Yeah. Um, this summer, I had the opportunity to co-lead a team from uh, Trinity Western to Russia, to St. Petersburg, Russia, and... Um, yeah, it was awesome. We had four amazing people, and Frankie's sitting over there, too. And, um, yeah, and we were able to go to St. Petersburg um, in May, and then we left in June. And uh, basically, we lived in a small apartment together and did everything together, and our ministry was um, to HIV orphans under five years old. So it was uh, pretty intense to see them in that situation. And then we also had the amazing opportunity to minister to disabled kids in Russia. And that was really cool, too. And it was from um, the years of 9 to 23. And so, yeah, they had cerebral palsy or mental disorders and were just, like, outcasts, basically, in Russia. And so, awesome. Yeah. And you shared with me a bit earlier in this week, and I, I'm amazed at the maturity of your group and, and the vision that you had. Can you share a little bit about what was it that kind of kept the four of you on track? What was your purpose for going there and kind of your encouragement to each other to, to stay the course? What was your common goal? Common goal. Um, well, I talked to you a little bit about how First John, John 4, 7 to 21 was our kind of theme verses. Mm -hmm. And it talks about loving God and then loving your brother and how we felt like you couldn't really, we couldn't serve the orphans or disabled kids without loving each other and being united together. And so that was kind of our goal and just being present in their lives, but also present in our team members' lives. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of the vision we had. And, and lastly, the time aspect. A month with each other, living with each other, cooking, sleeping, working, traveling. Yeah. Well, what did that do to your relationships? 
Um, it was definitely a challenge, definitely being with each other for a month in such a small apartment. But um, we had to make, we had to be intentional about the relationships. Mm. And definitely I'm being like, well, instead of going into my room and, you know, closing the door, I'm going to make that effort to get to know them and invest in their lives. And we debriefed every night and um, we prayed together and we played games together, played soccer together and just had fun. But I think it was that intentional. And yeah, it was a challenge, but it was, it was awesome. So awesome. It was good. Thanks, Adi. Yeah. Appreciate uh, you sharing. Talk with Adi, talk with Frankie, find out more about their trip. It was an awesome trip that they participated in. And uh, we're certainly excited that you guys got to experience that together. And really, this is kind of the principle that's come through in the story about, I mean, I was asking Adi early this week, I said, well, what, what if you hadn't gone? Are you getting, would you have had these connections, this bond with some of the other team members? She said, well, you know, a couple people I knew beforehand, but um, not with everyone. You know, I certainly wouldn't have this connection with other people. And it was, again, that common interest, and it was that time. When you combine those two things together, it greatly enhances your potential for friendship. And I'm guessing there's many of you here who could have a testimony that's similar to that of saying, when I, when I did that, when I, when I went on this trip for this express purpose, and when we got everyone together and we spent 10 days together, unbelievable what it did to, to forge our friendships together. And so uh, we've, we found these components. This is a, a biblical principle on friendship. And I think of, from what we learned last week in, in understanding that two are better than one, that if we actually have a serious aspiration about growing in our faith and maturing as people who follow after Jesus, we need someone who's going to pick us up when we fall down. We need someone who's going to pray with us. We need people who are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to let you make that poor choice because I love you too much and I care too much about you to let you go down that path. We need people who are going to encourage us as friendship. And, and the challenge for us, I think, is that this is something that no one can do except you. Your spouse can't find you a best friend. You know, your brother or sister cannot set you up for a perfect friendship. Your pastoral staff is not going to set you up on a play date. Pastor Brad and I have tried that, and it's incredibly awkward, and it doesn't work. And the reality is the, the onus is really on you. The onus is on all of us to take this principle and put it into action. Now, there's many different possi possible ways that we could do this, lots of different applications. I'm going to suggest two to you this morning. And if you can commit to saying, yes, I'm going to do one of those, then you can ignore the other one, and you don't have to worry about it, okay? So we have two possible applications, and then we're going to, we're going to complete our, our gathering time, and, and you guys can go and, and interact with some of the ministry leaders at the ministry fair once, once again. The first application, the first question I want you to ask is, how much time, how much time do you spend with your church family? I realize that Jericho Ridge may not be all of your home churches, but for those who say, this is my home church, this is a church that I invest in, how much time do you spend here with your church family? How much time do you spend interacting with your church family outside of Sundays? And my challenge to you is that if you've isolated this to a very specific hour and a half, hour and 15 minute window on Sundays, I think you can do better than that. I think if you think about the, the time that you're investing into potential friendships and you look at, at what that is doing, the results for you, I think you can say to yourself, that's not a lot of time. Investing an hour and a half on Sundays and, and I, don't, I haven't had a friend here, I haven't found someone who can really sharpen me like iron sharpens iron, if it's only to Sunday mornings, I think you need to look beyond 
those walls. The example I'm going to give you, no one's, no one's going to like. The example is, uh, is coffee and connection time. Now, when Jericho Ridge was planted in 2005, we met in a small cafeteria. It was about three times the size of the stage. It was actually bigger than that, but you know, it's more effective to exaggerate. And, and we, were over at the, uh, we were over at the high school. And at that time, you could count the number of kids on two hands, literally. We probably had 60 adults. Not quite sure, I'm guessing here. And so 10 minutes was a huge amount of time. You could get three cups of coffee. You could meet 20 people around you, which comprised a third of the church. And you could have a meaningful conversation with someone. And the leadership team specifically designed coffee and connection time for connection, for finding common interests, for investing time, and seeing what sort of friendship grew out of that. We're five years past that. We meet in, I don't know, is this the biggest facility in Langley? I don't know, it's pretty large. Uh, We have about 200 people here now. We have more than 10 kids at the church. And, and we, have, we have staircases to go up. We have kids to sign in. We have lineups for coffee. We've got cords to trip over. And, and 10 minutes is really not a lot of time. 10 minutes is really not a lot of time to interact with people, check in on your weeks, and to forge some friendships. But there's another time that would be great, and that's at 10.15. 10.15, 15 minutes before the gathering time starts, when kids don't need to be checked in, when the coffee is freshly brewed, when people are, are interacting and, and having meaningful conversation, when there's opportunity to pray with the prayer team that gathers there in that room over there on the left-hand side, it's a great time to foster relationships, to find commonalities. And all it takes is coming here 15, 20 minutes earlier than you normally do. And so my challenge to you is don't let tardiness Don't let time, don't let this small window of opportunity keep you from developing a friendship. That might be a very, very easy application for you to take to see if you find a similarity and you can build into that with your time. If you don't like that application idea, then this is the one that you have to do now. This is the second application, our ministry fair. Ministry fair is here today for a purpose. It's not just because we think ministries are fun to run. It's not just to appease the people who have a heart for these ministries. It's, it's to do specific work, and it's also to bring people together. And what we have that's very unique today is we've got a table that uh, surrounds all, all around us. And what it is is it's little examples of areas of interest. These are representative of passion areas that people have. It might be missions. It might be men's ministry. It might be youth. It might be front lines, interactive. It might be prayer. But we have representations of all these different things that a team of people have said, this is something of how God's wired us. This is something I'm passionate about. And so this is so easy. Now you can look at your own life and you can say, you know what? I've always kind of had an interest in teenagers and youth. That is, I think that's something about how God's wired me and equipped me. Why don't you go interact with, with a team of youth and find out if you can invest time in that area. You've already found a common interest. Now take the time to invest the time in that group and see what sort of friendships may develop. So, investing your time in the church community and connecting with people with shared interests. Both these things greatly enhance your potential for friendship. And we think this is a great way to spur each other on in the faith. So with that, I want to Uh, Lift our our eyes up to heaven and will you pray with me? Lord, we trust that you've designed friendship with a purpose. Uh, We understand that two are better than one. 
We've experienced what it's like to, to walk through trials and tribulations and also uh, celebrations and victories with a friend. And we thank you for that, Lord. You thank, we thank you for making us relational. And God, my prayer this morning is that all of us, all of us would be able to have a trusted friend, a, someone that we can call a beloved sister, a trusted brother, someone who we can minister to and who can minister to us and we can minister together. And so, God, I pray for these opportunities. I pray for everyone here and in the coming days and hours that, that they would be able to, to look at how you've designed them, look at their areas of interest, and be willing to step out and be courageous and invest time. And God, may we see a, a collection of deep-spirited friendships here at the church that help us to further our walk with you and bring glory to you in our area. We pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen. So with that, I'd like to invite you to peruse the different ministry tables, interact with ministry leaders and other members of those teams. You can pick up your kids if you're a parent. Go up there on the fourth floor. They should be finished with their Sunday cinema program. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being involved here at Jericho Ridge, and we hope to see you later on during the week.